Wednesday, everyone, and welcome to WNHH's C Click Fix Radio. I'm Paul Bass, welcoming you to another of our weekly looks at what's happening at the grassroots. Underneath the mass media radar in our own community, as well as in cities across the country, through the lens of the C Click Fix problem solving website, our local homegrown corporate success story where the CEO eats sushi for breakfast. But that was, we're not talking out of school here, are we? No, that's okay, fine. Good. We can talk about my dietary patterns. <laughs> <laughs> Joining me as always are C-Click Fixes, Caroline Smith, and the voice you just heard, Ben Berkowitz, with the latest citizen-powered news. And direct from the Motor City, we have Amy, Amy Sovereign. Amy Sovereign is the Program Management Officer in the City of Detroit's Department of Innovation and Technology. She told me that's a long way of saying IT. Welcome, and welcome to the show, Amy. Thanks for coming on. Amy, can you hear us? Yep, I'm here. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Now, now for a quick Thank bill you. paying aside, Yale New Haven Hospital provided financial support for today's program, now down to business. Welcome to the show, everyone. We have lots to talk about. Caroline, what's the latest news from the grassroots in Detroit, Michigan? You through my mic? Oh, no, perfect. There we go. Excellent. That's great. Looks like we have a tree issue, which was reported on 16241 Salem Street, Detroit. A tree issue, but we hear a lot about those in New Haven. I know, right? As soon as you say a tree's coming down, everybody goes berserk. And then half the time, someone from the city or the utility comes and explains it. And they go, oh, that makes a lot of sense. That thing's about to fall in my house. But sometimes they really bring up that the utilities can go overboard when they get pressure mm. from, let's say, another part of government, let's say a state government that says we're worried about outages, so then they go too far shaving the trees back. And we had that, we saw that at Edgewood Avenue, we saw that after a whole bunch of superstorms in Connecticut. That's a really interesting balance that they got to strike. So I'm interested in what you found out, Caroline, about Salem Street in Detroit. Totally. It looks like in this case, the reporter wants a tree down. Uh, so the description, so the reporter is the six, South of Six Block Club. Um, and the description is dead slash dying black ant infested tree on berm in front of 16 241 salem please remove semicolon please remove large <laughs> limbs continually fall off the tree oh that's scary there should also be a large there also could be a large old wasp nest in the tree family with three young children living at this address hazardous conditions for this family semicolon please remove reminds tree. me of a case on beverly road two years ago when um the woman's family was complaining and the city decided it wasn't ready to come down. And then during a storm, it fell within inches of her front end where she was sitting at, se at early in the morning. So Amy Sovereign, are we hearing about Salem Street in your city? How, how does that one hit you? What was the reaction? So yeah, this is um, somewhat common. We do have a forestry division um, that is within our general services department. And they're a very, very, very busy division. Um, actually, this was um, the forestry division was one of our uh, first um, city services that we went live with on C Quick Six on Improved Detroit. And um, this division is very busy. We have a, a large um, city with a huge urban forest, and um, and varying degrees of, you know, age with regard to the trees. There's a lot of old trees, and they, as they become, you know, as they become dead, we need to address picking them up or getting them chopped down and picked back up. 
And we don't have a huge capacity to meet this demand, so the demand and the capacity don't quite meet up. So our um, forestry division is, is they're very active on C Quick Six. They actually um, use it internally as well. And um, so what they will generally do is is take a look, go out there and try to take down those trees. We've had um, we've had a lot of activity related to storms as well because during the storms, a lot of those older trees will lose branches. You get things called hangers, and they'll be hanging sort of over, um, you know, broken off but still hanging within the tree. And then there's also just your overall dead standing trees. Now, Amy, do these trees have to be in the line between the sidewalk and the street for it to be the city's responsibility? I'm assuming that, like, in New Haven, I guess I shouldn't assume... You don't go into someone's front yard or backyard if there's a tree. That's the responsibility of the property owner, correct? That's correct. Yep. Anything that's on private property is the responsibility of the resident. And anything that's in the berm, which is, Mm -hmm. as you described, the area between the sidewalk and the street, or anything that's in a berm, like in the middle of a street, maybe a two-way street that has a berm in the middle, those are also ours. And any, um, uh, you know, sort of vacant lot or vacant home that is owned by the city is also within our jurisdiction. Okay, so you got that vacant property. And I imagine there's a lot of that in Detroit. Yep, yep. We're, we're um, you know, trying to reduce that. That's one of our biggest initiatives is to sort of increase the population back to what, what it once was. But, yeah, at, the, at this particular time, there are quite a few vacant lots and vacant structures here in the city. How are the artists helping out with that? I, I read that you're giving free houses to artists and writers who want to come move into Detroit. Is, is that correct? And is that, is that taking root, so to speak? I personally don't know about a, a, a free housing program, um, but I know that we have, a, in here in Detroit, we have a huge population of artists, um, you know, with the relatively cheap housing and, and plenty of it, and um, really just uh, innumerable uh, subjects that would inspire an artist. Um, it's really got... Um, uh, you know, we have a huge developing um, sort of culture of, of artists here in Detroit. So uh, a lot of murals, a lot of different art shows. You can pick up any kind of different uh, showing or art show, really, it, it, any weekend that you'd like to. So that's, um, I haven't heard about free housing, but uh, we do oh, have okay. I guess I looked that up. Wasn't there a program, Ben, where they were give, some agency or somebody was giving away houses for, I don't know if they were free, but I, it does sound familiar. I think that they're, Right, we'll look that up a little later. Yeah. But so they have a lot of trees. They, it sounds like they can uh, get a lot of trees in varying stages of decay can inspire some artwork there. Amy, do you have statistics on what the demand is for takedown trees and how many you have taken down, let's say, in the last year? So in the last year, we've been really active. So the, num- the total number um, of tree issues that have been reported is around uh, 4,500. Wow, that's and, all through C-Click whoa. Fix? Yes, that's from C-Click Fix. Well, people are all over C-Click Fix in Detroit. <laughs> wow, oh, that's yeah. awesome. That's just trees. We're not even getting yeah, into like trees. stop signs and stuff. <laughs> okay, so you got 4,500 different trees you heard about in Detroit. And how many were you able to get to? Um, close to 4,100 so whoa. far. Whoa. You guys are on it. <laughs> 
Absolutely. And then we also did, um, we had a really cool thing. We did um, a project last summer with the Forestry Division. Um, they had asked for help from the lean uh, processing department, so we went over there and we helped them. And one of the things that we did was uh, instituted a day of service and asked um, uh, basically companies, tree companies from all over Michigan, if they would be willing to donate one day of service to come down to the city and take down old trees because mm. we had so many dead standings. So we did that, and it was a huge success, and there was tons and tons of um, companies that came down, brought all their log loaders and all of their, I mean, it looked amazing mm. with all of them just lining up down the street to come and, and take down these trees. And so they did that, um, you know, pro bono, just for free. So how many did they get in one day? That sounds amazing. It was amazing. And I, can't, I cannot remember. I was at the event and I cannot remember, but it was an astonishing number of trees that they were able to take down with their program. So we're going to do that annually going forward as well. How about replanting, Amy? Are you guys like we have something called the Urban Resources Initiative here? It's a nonprofit Yale Help Start where they train young people and they go out and they plant, replant trees in neighborhoods mm -hmm. that are losing mm -hmm. them. Are we are we reforesting Detroit? Yeah, there is a nonprofit here called the Greening of Detroit, and they're doing just that. Yeah, they they plant new growth trees uh, to replace the ones you know that have uh, are past their prime. That's terrific. So how did that Salem Street uh, complaint end up according to C-ClickFix? Right. It looks like, as Amy said, the City of Detroit Forestry Division, um, Arlene, a verified official, uh, hopped on and said, thank you for submitting your concern to the City of Detroit. This message is to acknowledge receipt of the issue you reported. The issue will be surveyed and resolved as soon as possible. And I had one quick question for Amy about the reporter. The reporter intrigues me. It's the South of Six Block Club. And I quickly looked up what a block club was, and there's a little presentation on the City of Detroit website by Mayor Duggan that says a block club is composed of neighbors that come together to discuss the conditions of the block and potential problem areas. Um, and I also looked up a little Facebook event uh, that they had in September during their September meeting where members of the SOS <laughs> block club met at Rocky's Grill, Coney Island for the September meeting. Attendees discussed strategies to build stronger safety community over Coney dogs, fries, and pop. But that I'm really fun. intrigued by these block clubs. and Because in New Haven, we have management teams. Um, but I wonder if those are similar. They sound like they do similar things. But I'm curious what... Well, this sounds like it might be citizen started. Amy, right, exactly. is this something yeah. that you folks in Detroit are making happen? Or is this propping up? Is it is a cop propping up in only certain parts of town? No. Um, block clubs are actually really popular here. They've become more popular in, the, in recent years. Um, there was a big push with education initiatives um, uh, that were coming through from the mayor's office um, in terms of, you know, encouraging people to strengthen their community. And one of the things that you can really count on is your neighbors are going to be better neighbors if they know your name. So mm -hmm. uh, we've really encouraged uh, block clubs and formulating block clubs. You can register your block club with the city of Detroit. You can get um, training online, and you can also get assistance from your district manager. Each one of our council districts has assigned a district manager to, per, you know, who personally works with the residents of that community. And so they do. We they're very popular here, and just trying to make sure that. You know, we have neighbors we can rely on that we, um, you know, can join together to perhaps clean uh, clean up garbage or do neighborhood watches, um, you know, and, and, and have community events. And they uh, these folks also band together and sort of come to our uh, community meetings uh, within the district. 
And, you know, really just it's, it's the way, you know, if you think of it this way, if I'm going to um, drop a piece of garbage, I'm probably not going to do it on the lawn of a neighbor that I know. And or if I see his or her child walking to the bus stop, I might just wait outside just another five minutes to make sure that that kiddo is safely gets on the bus. Mm-hmm. You know, so just building up those those bonds and building that stronger community, and um, and it, so they've been, they've been very popular here. In how many? Do you know of a sense how many of these block clubs exist? I don't know. I don't. We don't know. Um, you know, they're welcome to register here uh, with the city, um, but I'm sure there's ones that aren't either. And I don't have numbers. I'm on trying to see where it fits. Like in New Haven, we try to do similar. Uh, uh, work with the neighborhoods and we have two kinds of organizations like that. I'm trying to think which one fits better. So we had traditional block watches for years. Most of those aren't in good shape. Some are active. It all depends on the neighbors there. They register with the police department. And then about uh, 20 years ago, we started something called community management teams. We have 10 districts in town for community policing where the cops meet with the neighbors once a month. And something interesting happened with that, Amy. They became the de facto democratic unofficial citizen body of that neighborhood. So now when a developer wants to build a project, if he or she is smart, will come to a community management team to find out what the active members of that neighborhood think about it. And that's been productive. And I'm, and that's something that started being organized through the police department and became something much more than police. Do you have analogs to that in Detroit? Do you have policing district citizen teams? Do you have separate block watches that are different from block clubs? Um, well, we have the black clubs in there also would work with their, um, we have NPOs, which is your neighborhood police officers. And so, um, like when we do, um, you know, volunteer campaigns for the city, um, such as the Angels Night volunteer campaign, absolutely our NPO would go right to that block club. But does the NPO have a separate group to go to, or is it just the NPO meets with neighbors formally in areas that have block clubs? I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? Do your NPOs, your neighborhood police officers, do they generally have a group they already meet with separate from a block club in every neighborhood? Or is it more informal that the NPO meets with whatever group exists in a neighborhood, such as a block club? Yeah, it's more informal. So by the they, way, you know, I'm sorry, I did look up, there is a program called Detroit Write a House, W-R-I-T-E, Write a House, it's a nonprofit that's been buying up and renovating foreclosed homes using crowdsourced funds, and it's giving them the promising literary prospects. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is agree to pay insurance and taxes, take part in local literary readings, and then promise to live in the house for at least two years. That's cool. an interesting thing. Yeah. I wonder what cool. those readings are. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I'll, if you're wondering what you're listening to, it's Seacliff Fix Radio on WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio. Broadcast at 103.5 FM and live streamed at www.newhavenindependent.org. We're talking C-Click Fix Radio with Caroline Smith and Ben Berkowitz of C-Click Fix and Amy Sovereign, who's taking the time to meet with us. She's in charge of IT. She's the program management officer. It has a longer title in Detroit, Michigan. Caroline, do we have other news that we're going to talk to Amy about from Detroit? Or Ben? Yeah, we got a curbside solid waste issue. Uh, at 10,006 Forest Street, Detroit, Michigan. It has been acknowledged. It was viewed 17 times. 
and reported on uh, uh, March 25th, 2016. We have a photo here. I'll try to describe it. It looks like a bunch of cardboard boxes and there's a white chair. It's of, kind of a trash snowman. Mm, trash snowman. I like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, trash totally. snowman. Um, it's the stuff that the nightmares are made of, really. <laughs> um, and uh, let's see. Uh, so it was re reported on March 25th and it is described as bulk waste and it is in front of a vacant lot. Uh, and Lynn has commented that uh, the possible squatter in the White House with the red chair on the porch with a gray pickup truck is doing the dumping on the vacant lot. Uh, and uh, then acknowledged a couple days later by DPW Environmental Enforcement uh, verified official for the city of Detroit. Thank you for submitting your concern. A work order has been issued to have uh, this investigated to facilitate any required debris removal. So that is where we stand today on this particular trash monster. So Amy, what do you know about the trash monster? <laughs> so, um, yeah, actually, um, curbside solid waste issue this year, um, year to date is our most uh, utilized mm. Uh, request. And so basically, if you've got neighbors who are putting out their um, things curb, their trash curbside at inappropriate times, so, you know, you, you should know the date that your trash is being picked up. And if that's Tuesdays, you should not be putting it out the prior Wednesday. So mm. you can call the city and then we can come out and we can uh, issue basically a citation. So um, to the neighbor who is just carelessly putting out their, their trash, uh, it's out to sit and rot and, you know, it looks bad aesthetically, it could attract rodents, et cetera. So that's what we're trying to avoid. So um, so at this time, it looks like environmental enforcement, which is a branch of our DPW, will go out and investigate it. If indeed the house is vacant, um, then, uh, you know, if there is a squatter in there, they would pass that off to another entity to kind of take a look at that and see if we can get that person out of there. And um, But if it's truly just a vacant, then you have to kind of look up the owner of the house and determine is this a city-owned, is it a county-owned, is there an owner who does, a private owner who does own it, they just don't live there, where's this trash coming from? Um, you know, or is it just dumping? Is it some, you know, a different neighbor or somebody else who's coming by and dumping in front of the, the house that they perceive as vacant? Um, and so with regard to issuing a citation, there would have to be a private owner to issue that sort of thing to. Um, but that's what we want to avoid is folks who own a house, don't live in it, and just don't keep it up. Um, so that's, you know, that's historically been sort of a common problem around here. So trying to hold people accountable for the properties that they own here in Detroit, so issuing them citations and making sure that they do have, they can set a hearing with the Department of Administrative Hearings for that sort of thing, but making sure that, you know, we're trying to just lessen this issue around here. What about fines, Amy? Because in New Haven, what we did, we had a problem with that too. We call them bank lords or just absentee slum lords. And we started, we passed an ordinance where they can have a $99 a day fine that starts immediately for lack of upkeep at a property. They still have the court procedures you were talking about, but that rises pretty fast. We find that sometimes that gets the attention of the finance institution that has no human being you can reach previously, but other times it makes it hard to convince the bank to sell the house because the fines might grow so large along with other liens 
that some distant decision maker is just letting it go rather than trying to, to make that sale or have to pay off those bills. Have you guys dealt with this issue of cumulative fines? You know, I personally don't know. I'm not even sure what the fines are. So I, I, I'm not the right person to ask that question to, I'm afraid. No problem at all. I, I'm impressed with how much you are the right person to ask about. <laughs> um, we talked last week with Memphis about putting the trash out. Was it Memphis, folks, we talked about that? Mm-hmm. Where they have the crews who... Um, People complain, Amy, not just about it being the trash being put out too far in advance, but not being picked up fast enough. And in Memphis, we learned that you're supposed to have your trash pulled in by five o'clock that day. And they realize that not everyone gets home by then. So they give you to noon the next day. But their six C-Click Fix users have been ratting out the people who leave it longer. And they have a crew in Memphis, Public Works, that goes out the next day and talks to people and, and sometimes takes their trash toters if they don't do a better job of, of bringing those toters back in. Any um, complaints on the other end in, in Detroit of people not bringing the, the receptacles in fast enough? Yep, you, you can absolutely report that. It's not nearly as common, but it is, you know, it's just leaving your receptacle out. Yeah, you can definitely report that as well. Um, and then we'd send somebody out to, you know, have a discussion with the homeowner with regard to the rules. And um, I'm sure it can be escalated after that. But, you know, point being, bring the cans up to the house or have the kids do it. <laughs> cool. Caroline and Ben, what else we got coming in Detroit, Michigan? Looks like we have a running water in a home or building issue. It's been acknowledged. It's at 18692 Fenmore. And the reporter is Ty Jordan, who has uh, 145 civic points. And Ty's busy. It's on, yes, in a, an abandoned property. And let's see. Uh, the City of Detroit Water and Sewage Department hopped on and assigned the issue to to themselves. <laughs> it looks like, and then uh, and then Ty hopped on again and included a picture um, of uh, of the running water um, that's that's seeping out of the basement of the house. And then Detroit uh, hopped on again and acknowledged the issue. Thank you for reporting the running water issue. To us, the next available crew from our field maintenance staff will investigate. If we need any additional information, we'll be sure to contact you by updating your Seaclick Fix issue. Well, so Amy, here we go back with uh, abandoned properties. How does this one sound? You've heard this a lot. Yeah, so we have for uh, this this particular year to date, we've had 327 of these types of issues reported, and so. Um, uh, what, 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 what kind of, what do you mean by these, water or just neglect at abandoned properties? No, water running in an abandoned structure. Or wow. Home. And that's since January 1st or in the last 12 months? That's as of January 1st. Uh, wow, that's a lot of water. That's a lot of waste. Yes, absolutely. So this particular issue is the type of um, issue that triggers an automatic work order. Mm. So mm. they just automatically would issue a work order. The crew will go out and shut down the water at its source. Um, and unfortunately, it is common. Um, you know, if it's somebody's a squatter and they turn the water on, or um, they, you know, or the water was the home was abandoned with the water left on, mm. or um, pipes burst and in the throughout the winter, and now the, the home is leaking water in the basement. It's flooding up. It's kind of, you know pouring out. Um, so, you know, the, the root of the problem can be a number of different things. But from our perspective, from the, the perspective of the Detroit Water and Sewerage Department, this is an automatic work order. You go out and you shut off the water at its source. Amy, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, uh, as I recall, this 
particular request type was the first request type added to C-ClickFix in Detroit, and it was the impetus for Detroit Water and Sewer to um, want to move quickly to bring um, uh, the C-ClickFix partnership inside of City Hall. Um, and, and I think it's an interesting anecdote um, for all of us, uh, because as you pointed out with um, the neighbors who are keeping an eye on the kid, to make sure they get on the school bus. This is the neighbors keeping an eye on the house door next door to make sure it's, um, you know, also not creating some large neighborhood disturbance. And when you have the scale of Detroit mixed with the challenges, the only way to really uh, lift the city up is through the efforts of the citizens and the government officials. And so I always thought this was a really uh, um, timely and... Uh, important uh, way to start the relationship with the city of Detroit. It's um, a bummer that it, of course, is still going on and in such volume, but I guess the upside is that there are lots of people there to document it. Detroit Water and Sewer, Amy, is, are those independent agencies or part of government? Oh, they are a part of government. So with relation to how we administer C-ClickFix, um, they, uh, they have it a little bit differently than we do. So we have, do have two separate system administrators, myself being um, the administrator for city proper, and then there's a separate individual who is the system administrator for uh, the Detroit uh, Water and Sewerage Department. But they are a city department. Um, and we work very closely to, with one another. So uh, we pass issues along. Um, you know, if she finds something in her in her daily uh, routine that she thinks I should look at, she just brings it to my attention. Same with me while I'm doing my audits. If I find something that might she might need to take a look at, um, you know, I would just bring that to her attention. And we work very closely together, but we do administer um, separately at this time. They've got full integration with their... Um, their legacy work order system, so it, it, it necessitates a little bit of different administration tasks. Did you see so any? But we do work, have a partnership. Did you see any increase in concern about drinking water after the news broke about Flint, Michigan? Do you have problems like that there, or are people complaining to you about the water? possible lead or other problems and just just to chime in there amy is it's it is true that detroit water and sewer was the water authority for flint prior to um the current uh ownership that led to the or the current jurisdiction that led to the the challenges that is that right yes so they were um getting water from us here in the city of detroit and um then there was a switch to take the water from the flint river and um, that uh, was, uh, and, and then the non-treatment of the pipes uh, related to, you know, the toxicity of the water. And that was, uh, from my understanding of it, was the cause of the crisis. Mm. So the solution um, isn't there yet, but what they did was they needed to come back to our water uh, here in the city of Detroit. Actually, Detroit, it, from what I, it's my understanding that we have some of the, uh, uh, highest quality water yeah. in the nation. Certainly, uh, are surrounded. We do have, just, we have do have great water in New Haven, by the way. I just want to mention that. So, are they <laughs> using your water again in Flint? So, right now, they have major infrastructure uh, uh, things that they need to address because if the water isn't treated a certain way and, and it's flowing through lead pipes, 
and the lead will leach into the water or something of that nature. So they have to do some major infrastructure right now. The, it's my understanding that the citizens of Flint are still using bottled water. Mm-hmm. So why wasn't that infrastructure problem before? For instance, they want, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm ignorant about this. I'm not a water expert. If they were getting water from Detroit and it was fine, they switched and got it from the Flint River and it was going through pipes that had lead leaching. Why can't they just switch back to Detroit? Do they have to go through these pipes they're using now? Are those different from pipes they were using before? They didn't treat the Flint River water appropriately, so it damaged their pipes. Right, because oh, it settled. Oh, right. it damaged mm. the pipes. Whoa, that was a bad move by those cost-cutting Republican state officials. <sighs> Easy, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will, Amy, I, I did a quick search, and uh, neither drinking water nor tap water returned any results in Detroit, which is a good sign. So it sounds like on archived, closed, acknowledged, or open issues. So it sounds like um, there is not, there's not even a phobia, at least through the lens of C-Click Fix, within Detroit property proper that the water is... Um, contaminated there. And station manager Lucy Gelman, who grew up around Detroit, reports Detroit River water is actually very good. Mm. She says some other things that are political will leave out. So do you ever drink bottled water, Amy? I drink from the tap. I tell you what, I used to travel a little bit in Mm. a previous job that I did, and, and I was always happy to come back to uh, to the Detroit area because I just felt like the water tasted cleaner. <laughs> right? Yeah, I feel there so spoiled in New Haven. I feel it's crazy anyone would buy bottled water. You know, is that we yeah. got good water? It's, just... it's it, you know, it's a real testament to the city of Detroit um, and the population. I think if there was a water concern in a town next to me, I would start to get itchy. Right? Like mm. I would start to yeah. think, you know, that would be mm. a thing I would be conscious about, and uh, I would think that you would see that bubbling up more in social media. So it's uh, probably a testament to the resilience of uh, mm-hmm. and, and rational mindset of the folks in Detroit who are not uh, documenting those things. It's interesting. Well, what else pragmatic. we got? Yeah, pragmatic, great. Yeah, exactly. And you were pragmatically <laughs> listening to C-Click Fix Radio on WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio at 103.5 FM and newhavenindependent.org. We're talking Detroit with Caroline Smith and Ben Berkowitz of C-Click Fix and Amy Sovereign, the IT project manager, program manager at Detroit, Michigan. Caroline and Ben, can we do a couple of New Haven news items and see if they uh, resonate with Amy at all from Detroit? What yeah, we got? absolutely. Let's jump on over uh, to a graffiti issue. Mm-hmm. Tis the season for graffiti. Seems like this year in New Haven, we're light on potholes because it was seasonably warm, but we're heavy on graffiti. Because it's seasonably warm, question mark. Um, Graffiti, 506 State Street, New Haven, Connecticut, 06511, United States of America. Uh, Issue ID, 2,327,440, viewed 154 times, reported via mobile application by an anonymous C-ClickFix user. And the tag says B-R-A-S-K, which I would imagine you pronounce Brask. Uh, this particular tag apparently has been reported elsewhere around town. Actually found nine images of this, uh, similar, these letters, uh, across town on C-ClickFix. And, um, Matthew Griswold, the Town Green Special Services District verified official says, this one has been on our removal list. Uh, once the weather warms up and we get permission from the property owner, uh, we are currently compiling all the brass tags 
to use in a case against this person. Any other picks and locations, please email to Matthew at downtownnewhaven.com. Um, and then Ken CT said, a search for brass comes up with only some of the postings since the word is not used in the post itself. I've sent a few directly to Mr. Griswold. And while I'm here, I'd like to thank Mr. Griswold for actually attaching a name to verified official and for responding to specifics rather than providing a generic response. Uh, Matthew Griswold comes back on and uh, closed out the issue and said, thanks again for the emails, Ken. Also, this graffiti has been painted over by the Town Green Ambassadors. Thank you for posting. And Ken CT says... Thank you for fixing this issue. And we heard last week about a graffiti wall. I guess we heard about that in Gainesville, mm. Florida, was it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, so, Amy, in Detroit, you talked about murals. Do you cross the line into unsanctioned graffiti public art? Yeah, absolutely. So we, ha- we have graffiti and we have murals. And um, believe it or not, there's uh, there had to be quite a bit of documentation put together in determining the difference between mm-hmm. right we always we talk about that on that show it's a very tricky difference where do you where right. where where does one find this documentation is it dialogue or is it you know kind of official language around the difference no we had to do it here internally um so mm. because we were you know go in, in we have our uh one of the department that would go out and uh, sort of try to issue citations uh, we have very limited ability to actually remove graffiti, right. but we do some some capacity to do that. It's just not, um, you know, there's not as much uh, equipment as we'd like to do that. But then found that um, if we were just sort of giving inspectors carte blanche to do this, occasionally someone's perception of what is graffiti or art mm-hmm. was a little uh, there was some overlap there. So uh, mm-hmm. we found that they would. Some somebody would get a citation and come back to the city and say, "We painted this. This right. is our mural, mm-hmm. our art." So, you know, so we kind of, you know, had had to have some meetings internally and discuss, you know, what what you know, and and the the picture from this one that we're discussing here, that's obviously a tag. Um, so mm-hmm. that is, is very cut and dry to me. But some of these other ones look um, are, are, are quite beautiful. So, uh, you know, there's, there's that, you kind of have to have that discussion. You can't just sort of blanket issue um, citations or try to remove things. Our, um, another another Fix user, Charlie Barrett, hops on and says, substations are spots for police um, uh, to hide when they go on break um, or feel like goofing off. Um, I would hmm. love to hear uh, someone say once they found a door open at any of them and went in to report anything. Uh, total joke. It kind, of bugs, me. It kind of bugs me when people say mm. things like that, though, because right. they yeah. don't always right. like right. to be a cop all night. They don't know what they're doing yeah. in that yeah. substation. I mean, I have real questions about the substation because they were built as fortresses because they were worried about people breaking in. Right. So they don't seem like cozy kumbaya places to go hang out with the neighborhood. With the exception of the Rose Center, I think that's definitely Yes, that's true. very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on the other hand, cops now do so much from their cars. Mm-hmm. Mm. Or bikes. And the bikes, yeah, mm-hmm. with their computers. I don't know. What's it what's it like in Detroit, Amy? Do your cops do a lot in their cars and do you have neighborhood substations that function as community centers? Well, obviously they do a lot of patrolling in their cars and then we do have different precincts, you know, all throughout the city of Detroit. So I I um I have limited knowledge on what they do, but of course um our NPOs will be patrolling their neighborhood and speaking with their residents and um taking care of anything locally and then um you know they would report and go you know when they're going into 
check in or check out for the day or whatever, they go ahead and do that at their precinct. So, and, um, you know, they do have an app that, um, the, a separate app that you can, um, do anonymous crime tips, um, and you can look up your neighborhood police officer and you can look up your, um, district and in your precinct and, and where that's located and everything. So it's just a resource for our citizens should they have some sort of, um, highly sensitive issue. And I'm not talking about trash, but something that might be a little, um, a little more sensitive. They can go directly to the police and get that guarantee of an, uh, you know, uh, being anonymous uh, through our um, DPD Connect app. Hey, do you want to want to hit us, uh, Ben or Caroline, with one more Detroit local issue before we uh, thank Amy and move on? Uh, move back over to Detroit. Let's see here. You got the latest there? news yeah. from the grassroots from C-Click yeah, Fix Detroit. Yeah, it looks like we just have one other illegal dumping issue. Um, uh, this one, it's, it's not on a vacant lot. Um, the reporter is Peggy with, ooh, wow, uh, 2,330 uh, <laughs> civic points. Uh, viewed 14 times um, at Asbury Street in Detroit. Description, carpet slash rug. What's the difference? Um, uh, carpet <laughs> slash rug. The whole of graffiti <laughs> public art. <laughs> exactly. A carpet slash rug. I actually feel like there's a very... Definitely a big difference between carpet and rug. Uh, padding and trash in the alley on the side of the home help with eight exclamation points, uh, <laughs> which is great. Um, and let's see, uh, a comment by Captain. Um, we have the same problem here on Mansfield Street, one block over. The property belongs to the city of Detroit, which has been abandoned for over 10 years. I tried to maintain wow. cutting the grass in the front and alley, the houses. I've lived here for over 40 years. I've seen a lot of change. There's only a few, actually, only a few homeowners left on my block. Um, the rest wow. are renters and abandoned homes. The northwest side of the city of Detroit has been on hold due to downtown development. And then the DPW. Um, no quick and uh, no quick and loans divisions in the west northwest corner. Right. Um, uh, the DPW uh, environmental enforcement of uh, city of Detroit hopped on, acknowledged the issue, said thank you uh, for submitting your concern. Work order has been submitted. Um, and uh, to uh, facilitate any required debris. So that's removal. interesting that the neighbor is cutting the grass. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, actually, Amy, uh, you we we had a call a couple of days ago, and you talked to me about the mowers clubs in Detroit. Um, yeah, yeah, talk about those. Yeah, again, uh, another grassroots uh, sort of thing. Literally grassroots. You know, <laughs> well done. Together by our. Um, uh, the, the very, you know, wonderful citizens of Detroit. And um, what they do is band together, get together on a weekend or whenever. Everybody brings their lawnmower and uh, can will mow, uh, you know, the, the parks or any sort of maybe vacant lots that are privately owned. That's amazing. The city does sweep. Yeah, the city, we do a sweep two times a year to mow all of the vacant lots mm. uh, regardless of ownership. Um, but then in the meantime, we're, we're only, we only have the capacity to do that twice a year. So there are these groups that get together and, and they mow. And just, you know, so that they can keep up with their um, community and the kids can go to the park and not be walking through uh, grass and weeds that are knee high. Has, has, uh, are we talking gas mowers? Is there like a push mower tribe? I know like the, the push mower has kind of become a throwback. For... I know I had a few years where I was going that tribe. It wasn't fun. Yeah. Yeah, my neighbor <laughs> sharpens push mowers. Actually. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, are, the, push, are the hipsters doing push mowers, Amy, or what are you seeing? The guys that I've seen have to have the mini tractors. Those ride. Oh, along. right, right. That looks fun. How many vacant properties do you have, Amy, in Detroit? 
I have no idea, but it's, it's quite a few. We are, um, you know, we have many, many programs to try to, um, we have demolition programs that are demoing a lot of houses right now. We also have houses that are for auction daily on um, buildingdetroit.org, and you can buy a house for um, the starting bid is $1,000. Um, Generally, the rehab of that house is more than the you know the winning bid, but um, but you have, and you have to have it bring it up to code within six months or nine months for historical property. But then we also have for just vacant lots, we have a side lot program. You can buy the um, vacant lot next to your house for one hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also, like I said, um, demoing. So uh, these houses are all being assessed for their condition. Uh, we have some federal funding, and um, certain areas designated as HHS are the hardest hit or hardest hit areas. HHA hardest hit areas. Those demolitions are being prioritized, but all of the um, vacant uh, structures are being looked at for can it be salvaged? Can it you know does it need to be torn down? Is it just too far past repair? And then they're put on a, a schedule for demo. Um, and then we also have um, for people who are still in their homes. There's programs to get um, 0% home repair loans, um, and you can get 0% interest. And then there's a couple of different mortgage programs to get people who um, who maybe uh, want to mortgage a home and the, the you know the bank uh, didn't realize the value at, at the selling price. So we've sort of partnered. The city has partnered with a couple of different partners as well to make those loans available for people who are interested in moving into some of these uh, beautiful, some very gorgeous old homes, historic-looking homes here in the city of Detroit that really just need a little TLC. And they do live in the Quicken Loans capital of the universe, so that must not hurt. Yep, yep. Dan Gilbert, (laughs) he's a big player, for sure. Well, we wish you great luck, Amy, with all these efforts you got going to Detroit. Sounds like you got a lot of great stuff going on. Thank you for joining us today on C-Click Fix Radio on WNHH-FM. Thanks to Caroline Smith and Ben Berkowitz of C-Click Fix, as always. And Amy Sovereign, thank you so much. She is the Program Management Officer in the City of Detroit's IT department known as the Department of Innovation and Technology. Thanks to Yale New Haven Hospital. The pleasure is ours. Thanks to Yale New Haven Hospital for providing financial support for today's program. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic Experience performing Eliyahu Hanavi from the group's 2002 CD, This is the Afro-Semitic Experience. This is Paul Bass wishing you a day fixed with light truth and guaranteed satisfaction. Hang with us here all day and night at WNHH New Haven's home for community radio for more local talk and music. ¶¶